Why are you so human? So perfect. What are the bird creatures on the ship? Our bodies are unimportant. As you and your men have approached in your ship, we change them for you. We entered your minds and found their new bodies. I took my shape from your mind. I took your language. I became the woman I found there in your deepest thoughts, your deepest needs. I am the feminine in your mind, Carlson. Welcome to Canon Cast Part 2. This is Part 2 of a two-part episode. If you missed Part 1, we discussed the Toby Hooper film Invaders from Mars with our special guest Austin Trunick, author of the Canon Film Guide. As previously mentioned, our conversation was too large to be contained in one single podcast episode, so we split it in two. This episode, we are picking up right where we left off with Austin, and we'll be discussing Toby Hooper's other two canon films, Life Force and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. So welcome and enjoy our conversation already in progress. You're my fave. <laughs> Me and Bubba, my little brother, we listen to you every night. Music is my life. <laughs> you know, you're my fave. I get too embarrassed and phone in my request. It's too disembodied, you know. <laughs> but uh, uh, now that we're here in, in flesh and blood, I, I could maybe make a request and, and it still count, huh? Iron butterfly. <laughs> you know, like in a vita de gata, baby. <laughs> it's heavy. Um, should we uh, should we move on? I think the next movie's starting to play. Should we move on right. to uh, to Life Force? <laughs> a movie that doesn't knows it's not a kids movie. <laughs> no, it's not even close. <laughs> I had only recently seen this um, six, seven, eight months ago for the first time. Oh wow! Um, I think um, at some point I came across it on Shutter or something like that, and I said, "Hey, I'm gonna." I've been meaning to watch this. I've never seen it. That um, is where this is streaming. Yep, and that's why I watched it again the other night. Um, be a shutter. And as, as everyone knows, um, we always enter into a partnership with them for the month of October. So check out that show. I keep one year round. You do, you do. I yeah. I, I lock that $6 in every October. I, I, um, think they, I think they just charge me 60 bucks once a year. And it's, yeah. I mean, whatever. Ever since uh-uh. we had to part ways with Hulu, we officially endorse shutter now um picture we had some issues with with hulu's ui and we had to kind of part ways with that partnership um to fix their coding but this um, this film is fascinating to me (laughs) yeah it's it's, i don't we were talking about in the patreon pre-show bit of like don't know if i love it or hate it um either which way but i agree it's it's a out of anything, this is a film like it's how does this in what world does this even get made? I think in the way it's made. Uh, there's literally a how did this get made episode about this film. <laughs> I, I believe it. I believe it. Um, I but, think- but before we jump in too much, I think even on this was another one that just had weird pacing, though. 
um, or just weird jumps. It almost felt like chunks of movie were written. Like, hey, let's do this first sort of outer space mm-hmm. Haley's Comet thing. Because initially my first read on Life Force was that it was more of a space movie um, mm-hmm. when I'd never seen it before. And I'm like, oh, no, it's not. Um, mm-hmm. But but there's this huge chunk where it's like, hey, let's do the stuff in space. And it's kind of you know, dragging on. Then all of a sudden, oh, no, 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 no. Now it's this other movie where we're kind of in the research labs and 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 the the whole European what that area there where they're just kind of understanding what's happening here. And then it's like, oh no 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 it's another movie. It's this sort of in the city, you know, the more all the where all the action takes place. So it just felt like it would just jump randomly to kind of a new setting and scene like thirty days later, and and just move on. So that was my one sort of like jarring bit. But I think there's plenty more things that catch your attention and it's <laughs> jarring than it's it's pacing and structuring. Yeah, I mean, so, so this one, this is not one I saw as a kid. No. I mean, probably I be a good lot. reason. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I did see this at some point in my 20s. Again, sort of down a Toby Hooper rabbit hole. Uh, yeah, I'm going to watch Life Force with whatever the fuck this is uh mm-hmm. and i mean this one like this was like the last time anybody gave hooper a shit ton of money right they gave him a 25 million dollar budget for this film. Mm-hmm. right one and of canon's most expensive movies they ever they ever made period i that makes sense well a lot of it i'm gonna say a lot of it looks i love i love some of the look in this film well, i really this, do 100% like this to me feels very much of the like hammer era like British film right it's it mm-hmm. it it fits into this like it's sci-fi it's horror it's it's like high British drama <laughs> like with with like legit British actors mm-hmm. um and then Steve Railsman uh for <laughs> some whatever reason as the the central uh you know uh, protagonist um but I, I, yeah i mean there, there's a lot to just kind of unpack here but i remember the first time i saw this film and i remember like the the feeling i had the first time i watched this film is pretty much the same feeling i had when i watched this film like a few days ago this is insane mm-hmm. like it's mm-hmm. just it's it's pure and utter insanity in a good way maybe i don't know i don't know i'm trying to to work through it no i agree that's that's the same thing you kind of work through it and and to you um i think one of the things i really like about it too is just on the look and feel um kind of from even from you know you relate to some of the the hammer films i mean even even feels like some of the stuff that's happening in the early 80s with um, roger corman in like forbidden world and um what was that galaxy of terror and some of those films as well, but just done and looking so much better um, as well. But in that same kind of like the money's there, right? The money and the budget and maybe mm-hmm. better filmmaking as well. Um, and, and, you know, the better production design and the better um, all that, but, but it's that same vibe. It's that kind of what was happening in the early eighties with those films, um, which I kind of have a little soft spot for and are films that I really like. Um, this is like, oh, you know what they were doing there? We're, we, we do it better um, in, in every aspect. 
Um, but it's continually like, what, just what, where is this going? What am I watching? And, and again, I struggle with how to articulate my feelings, but just like, do I love this? Is this, or, or, or do I not like, like this? You know, am I just, you know, what is it that is intriguing to me about this film? Um, it's just a weird one to put my finger on. I, like, do awesome. I recommend this or do I say steer clear? <laughs> as, as the, like, yeah. literally, I mean, you are, you're the authority here. Like, <laughs> this is one. So I'll, I'll start like you guys did. I, I didn't see this as a kid. Um, it just wouldn't have, even the, I think of the VHS box, if you go and look at it, it's just a sort of like this lights and space. And yeah, that's what's still like keeping on the shutter jpeg yeah. yeah so i i mean i wasn't as big into those kind of uh really serious sci-fi films which i assume this was there was no one in it that i recognized except for like patrick stewart later on mm -hmm. but i had seen so this was in college i was in new york city and i was flipping through it was either the village voice or the maybe the onion at that point was still in print and i remember seeing the local listings in one of the theaters in New York was showing it, but the picture they used was the zombie lady that first sits up that turns into Matilda May. And you, and it's just this crazy, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is like the, some of the coolest zombie looking effects. Some of, um, it reminded me a lot of, again, of Return of the Living Dead, that sort of, <laughs> I think of the lady on the table in that film, who's a very similar sort of puppet. But I, I went to the movie expecting it then to be based on just the picture and like a two sentence line of like space vampires expecting it to be a zombie movie. And I remember the first time seeing it, I'm like, okay, so much of this in space. Okay. Wow. Oh, here's some cool zombie. Wait. Okay. The zombie stuff's over. Why is this lady naked the whole time? And just mm -hmm, being mm -hmm. confused by it, but it's a movie I've seen many times since. And it's one that has grown on me every time I I've watched it, especially since again, I, it's hard for me to separate the production stories behind these from the films themselves but this is a movie 25 million and the most canon ever spent on anything until over the top believe it or not over the top is more expensive than this wow. would they just spend all the money on sloan basically always, yeah all those trucks and hats yeah <laughs> yeah it's like he's got, got gotta have several hats <laughs> so i can yeah, turn it around when i <laughs> turn them in, take it over the top like a machine mm-hmm uh, twelve million dollars like of times. that, yeah, twelve million of that one <laughs> went to Stallone. But Life Force, on the other hand, all the money is on screen. Yeah, there's nothing going to. They're not paying any cast members. Most of these guys were br like British stage actors who came onto this. That you know, they 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 weren't commanding much. There wasn't much. They didn't spend much to market it. Um, everything went on the screen, and you look at some of the stuff that they did get in there. This was right at the end of that sort of practical animatronics and puppets. And I think of things like that. So there's that, that same alien I'm thinking of the late when when the female vampire, they get her back and she sort of like she ends up, she ends up sitting up at well, the, the one that sits up and drains. It's actually the pathologist at that point. I'm confusing who, who it is, mm -hmm. but the guy who gets drained and mm -hmm. um, it's this whole autopsy scene. You got all these scientists standing around watching it. This puppet was created by Nick Maley, who uh, did a lot of the work on Yoda. He did all the 
aliens and the cantina and star wars so this great guy he designed this puppet and it had it it was all on computers all in people required 23 people to operate and three computers all controlling different aspects of its facial expressions he used the same technology in a scene later on that got cut to make a patrick stewart dummy that was like you see footage oh, just of the spewing thing. blood yeah just, oh my god so it, well wait it wasn't it was more like wafting of blood on that. It was like on the helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they form the blood yeah, alien. They, oh my god! She that turns into that was my it, favorite scene. That was an that was another effect that ended up getting cut because it was too too it was too bloody. It got trimmed down a lot. But a lot of these things that that particular that alien that that twenty three puppeteer alien is is the most complicated animatronic creature ever made for any film which is amazing that that went into a canon film and the effects in that movie for the most part really stand up and they they really came at this tail end you know a few years later it would all be cgi they would no no one would even attempt to do this on camera and practical effects yeah you think yeah, that no, they that guy, was, i agree with you 100 that this the 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 zombie slash individuals after having their life force sucked out of them and just all of that is um super impressive um mm -hmm. for sure and and but it, and even things like the one where it's it's the what the initial guy um one of them who then they had like in the jail cell because his force had been sucked out hours ago or whatever mm -hmm. and then he was back whatever but then just like the running and then even this the quick cuts and like hitting the bars and just disintegrating into dust and, and yeah not like all of that you're just you're watching you're like this i mean that's that, that alone is reason to recommend you know when i say do i recommend do i not like things like that anyone who appreciates that it's 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 super impressive um and and just enthralling a bit to watch it like all that stuff was i was mm -hmm. still surprised and watching it a second time seeing it um mm -hmm. even the stuff in outer space that's guys oh. in on cables and spacesuits in front of matte paintings which is amazing like that would have been you know six months a year later people doing that with the green screen it's, it's i mean that the, the, the opening segments there with, with the, the comment and, and on space it's yeah it's beautiful it's mm -hmm. it's beautifully yes, it, shot it looks great i was watching this i'm like because i remember like all the stuff that came later and i'd kind of forgotten the beginning <laughs> when i'd watch and i'm like this thing this film's amazing like this is great <laughs> I, particularly right when they enter into the the, the space vampire ship right mm -hmm. which is like this yeah. weird it's almost like a weird bat wing <laughs> slash like tower like elongated yeah. castle tower yes yeah, an umbrella or something floating into yeah. it could have been an umbrella who knows and, and, and then even just the angles and the choices like half the time like they're upside down and it's just just hooper's angle choice and the way to even just film that to make you know oh, they're kind of floating but without it being too heavy-handed or over the top is subtle well like the, the fact that that holds up under remastering to a, mm -hmm. a higher definition format it, and i mean part of this is the fact that like this was shot on 70 millimeter right? like, like this was shot <laughs> on like legit large format film yeah um i mean hell that's that alone is a it's a pretty exorbitant cost um and and so to know that that was right like that was shot against like matte paintings 
in the background. And that's why it, it doesn't look like shit mm-hmm. now. Uh, cause, cause had that, I mean, think about, uh, let's think about those 2000 star Wars movies and how they look like shit. Cause they mm-hmm. do, they look like, they look like the worst video game possible because of CGI and this still holds up in this mm-hmm. Canon film because it's practical. It's shot on, on, on like 70 millimeter film and money was spent to do it well. Mm-hmm. It's where all the money went <laughs> really into those effects. Yeah. It's crazy because they had uh, John Dykstra working on it, which is yes. mm-hmm. another amazing name. Th- just the, the roster of people, the, the production design by the guys who did 2001, Grazemark and uh, Bob Cartwright. It's just wild to think that this is a really like a sci-fi dream team. You've got the director of Poltergeist, the effects guys from Star Wars, Wars. the writer of Alien. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's because we're, we're it's Dan O'Bannon again. Yeah, <laughs> and and you you have a you have a score from Henry Mancini. Yeah, <laughs> like again on paper, this thing just pops. It's like holy shit! Mm-hmm. Like, and it's it's not like I, I this one doesn't feel as disjointed as Invaders. No, right? no, it, like it, so my like, thing not it, even it, it was just like big three chunks, but it wasn't like Invaders super disjointed. Totally. Yeah. But that's the thing that it's not like, oh, this is a progression over 30 days. It, I mean, it yeah. feels like this film's supposed to take place over like maybe 72 hours. Yeah. Right. And there are just these weird, I get weird choices in editing and like these these hard cuts and then these transitions from location to location that feel like afterthoughts. Um, I, I, but I mean, for me, the biggest thing that seemed like that was it kept kind of pulling me out of the film was Steve Railsback. Like his performance is jarring on so many levels for me personally. Um, particularly when you look at him acting against actors like Peter Firth and Frank Finley and Patrick Stewart. And Patrick Stewart flailing on a floor. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Like give me that on an endless loop. I like. I loved it. It's it, fantastic. But something about the intensity that Railsback is bringing to like certain scenes where it feels like it, maybe this should be played a little more subdued. It's just it's so bonkers. Um, and then there's the there's the there's the one weird, really weird scene where they go to. They go to the hospital and they like they get access to the nurse's like apartment and they mm-hmm. go in and talk to her and and Railsback's like I'm like she's a I can read her mind she's a masochist she wants me to hit her like she wants me to like hurt her and the dude's like yeah not nah, cool I don't need to leave I'm into this <laughs> those are not the lines from the film mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it it's it's just how does this fit into what is happening around them. And that just felt very slightly off. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, no, it, insane cat, insane crew, insane cast, insane, like, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> also, in any of your, I, I haven't, I mean, and not to see expected that you'd go this far in your research um, for, for the canon stuff, but have, have, have you read the Space Vampires novel? There, so 
I've I've got a copy just right off right off. <laughs> I'm, camera. Not, I'm not trying to call out like the expectation yeah. wouldn't be there to have read. I'm just curious as one at some point you're like, hey, am I gonna dip? I've tried. It's it's hard. I mean, especially someone it's, who's seen the novel of movie a couple times. Yeah, it's it's hard because a lot of it is um gets very caught up on the sex part, sexual part mm. of the uh draining. And it's you'd think that this movie that has Matilda May, who like aids 17 of her like 18 minutes of screen time, she's like fully nude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um the book is much, much heavier into that aspect. Really? And so it's, it's every time I've tried, I'm like, this is just, this is filthy. This is really <laughs> weirdly. Um, yeah. So, I mean, virgin. <laughs> How's the one thing about this with Matilda May and, and just the fact that, yeah, cause that's, that's is another part. That's just a, a initial viewing on this, right. When they stumble upon the three of them in their glass coffin, holding cell thing the two males and the female you know um all completely nude but of course you know you really just see the female character you know for, mm-hmm. for this film is the one completely um naked all the time um it's interesting you're that's the, the Eddie Murphy song right naked all the time <laughs> naked all the time um <laughs> But no, but but even that part, like you know, you you know, looking at it and you're watching because that is one of the more jarring things. Like, oh wow, this is a a person that's completely naked, and then oh, they're always naked practically um, in this. And but I but I felt in this at least because that was one thing you're thinking about while you're watching. You're like, you know, can, you know, kind of what is this at this point? Like, you know, where are we at with it? Where's this film going? What's the point of this? But I felt even in this film, this idea of almost like her as if like a siren, and you know, that sort of. I thought that was played well in the way it was handled and the fact that, um, you know, these people that she's going after and getting their life force, at least. It, it's not this, like, raunchy, overt, pervy sexual take. Because mm-hmm. um, that's when I initially see it. I'm, you, know, you could read it the other way. Well, you know, whoever, because that's what I heard, right? One of the producers, whoever, that was the requirement. Like, the actress will be nude. Um, yeah. This film. Oh, yeah. It, and, yeah, and, yeah and read a whole thing about... Yeah. Right, like and they the, went through like they, 100 actresses because everybody's like yeah pass <laughs> well and they were like flying actresses over yeah and on like the flight, mm-hmm. they were forming unions where they were like yeah like the the one i it was i think the thing i read was that there was one actress who sort of spearheaded the effort and then she was the only one who agreed to do nudity but they were like they didn't want her mm-hmm. and so then they had to continue trying to cast until they found melinda may because um, that's part of it too like anybody walks in the room you're watching this film I'm like, so uh, what you watching here? What's going on? You know, and you're like, like, it's not porn. It's cool. Right? Like, listen, you know, there's, it's, you know, temptation and, and, and it's exploiting their desires as well. And it's, you know, it's like, okay, yeah. And it's, you know, but no, but that was, so it's interesting that the book goes, you know, mm-hmm. which I guess you could give some credit to the making the film that doesn't <laughs> go that, that route um, fully. Um yeah, but obviously, but obviously, movie feels fine. a little more tasteful, believe it or not. It, well, <laughs> I mean, it, that's to say, it's an interesting word to say. Like, hey, it's it's life force. It's tasteful. Like that was their first tagline. <laughs> no, like, no, 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 it's tasteful. That's what it said. So, it, particularly as you get further into the film, it feels like they try to place this emphasis on, right? Okay, this is the female is not the leader. Right, mm-hmm. she's not the one who is is like causing this or directing these things to happen 
this is part of what keeps our species alive. Mm -hmm. Right. But part of her thing is like, she has to bond fully with whoever it is, like whatever, whatever new species, right. In the universe that they're going to now go to next to sustain themselves. Um, she does have to be in love, right. There has to be this mm -hmm. fully formed bond and she chose, you know, Railsback, and I mean, it, Carlson. Sorry, that's the character name. But mm -hmm. I mean, I it's hard for me. I I just assume Steve Railsback is that way, just as a person. It's like he's just that. He's like he's in stores, like buying things at Target, just dramatically like shouting to the <laughs> cashier about why he needs to purchase a razor. I don't know. Um, but she's like yeah i took like i took this shape from your mind right this i'm feminine in your mind so this is this is why i look this way mm -hmm. right we're, mm -hmm. naturally we're these really unattractive gargoyle vampire creatures <laughs> um which you get to see later on it's like wow yeah nobody would be dating that <laughs> um but it they, they do they do kind of place this emphasis on Right, that relationship had to exist in some capacity, whether it was, you know, this cerebral manipulation or if it was just playing on what was already there in the mind. Um, and, and that to me led to some interesting, maybe, maybe common social commentary about like the way that we form these ideals in our heads of, of what we're looking for in a partner or what we're looking for in a relationship. And we project that onto right those people we're seeking to form bonds with or, or form relationships with and how that in and of itself can create almost this like vampiric effect of of just kind of feeding off of the other person um and i think there's there's even a line uh in the film and i, I haven't written down i know for a fact but it's like, like we're all vampires in a sense Right. We, we all at times feed off the energy of others and we may even take on right similar personality traits or things that we think other people will like to get in their good graces or, or, or enter their inner circle. And, and so it's I feel like you're, you're knowing Hooper. Right. I know that he tries to make these kind of, of sort of not necessarily like poignant commentaries, but he, he pointed commentary about kind of the way humans work and in human nature. I've, it requires a lot of digging, I think, though, to kind of get into some of that in, in this film. And I mean, we, we, we do get that. And I kind of was like, she's perfect. And, and Railsback keeps coming back to like, she's perfect. Yeah. And it's, it's like, there is no such thing as perfection. It, we we idealize things and, and we become obsessed and that's and if you want to read this as like oh is this social commentary i think that's what you're tapping into like if you, if you want to yeah. say like oh hoover's trying to like make subversive commentary about our the way we become obsessed with people the way that that we project right perfection onto others until they disappoint us or they they destroy us mm -hmm. you know and, and there's even a line in there it's like you know, she, she destroys, she'll destroy you. She destroyed, she's destroyed worlds. Yeah. And it, it feels a little bit like female blaming. <laughs> it's a little, yeah, yeah. It's, maybe, but 
I, I mean, for those who because you can't see, because it's an audio medium, well, a little on the nose. Can, yeah, on the live stream. <laughs> um, yeah. And so that that's why I think I struggle with this film because I I appreciate so much of the nuance and the the where the where the money shows up on screen, mm-hmm. right? I think it shows up in all the right places, but does the story kind of hold up to that and and I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's I mean, it's a yeah. movie based on a book called Space Vampires. <laughs> that's yeah. It's, you, you, that's, I mean, it's, that's a great, it's a great reading you have. And I'm like, it's, it's getting me. I, I've talked to Nick Maley for the second book who, who designed all the effects in this, all the practical effects. And he was talking about one of the challenges that you wouldn't think of. Cause he's designing, you know, blood monsters and, uh, and super complicated puppets and all these aliens and stuff. But one of the challenges is the script called for somebody who's supposed to be more perfect. Everyone's talking about how perfect she is constantly in it. And I think she's described as being more perfect than perfect and just trying to interpret that. And so there was a lot of work he had. He he didn't do it himself. He passed it off to one of the, his uh, team member, I believe a female member of the team to actually do all this stuff. So it's not just him being dirty, but having to like, just like airbrush, airbrush her skin and things like that, just to like make it so that like her skin tone was like just this perfect, perfect, almost inhuman, inhuman. They wanted her to look un- inhuman, but it is sort of this idealized human. So it's just, it's, it's interesting. Cause it's, that's something that time and thought went into that. And you wouldn't think that, you know, most people would think, you know, you just got to drop a robe and <laughs> do the scene. Well, so that that almost makes it even more problematic for me from mm. just like a diversity perspective. Right. It, it, because she is very porcelain. Right. Mm. She, she's almost lightened. Mm. Right. And, and almost has this this my iridescent quality. Right. And, I mean, obviously, mm. that's visual mm. effects. But. Hearing that it it reads as like this whole, and I mean, it's fucking the 1980s, but it's it like wholly ignores like the existence of others. If it, when reading it that way, mm-hmm. um, wow. Yeah. Well, if there's no, uh, yeah, you know, what, what else can we say, right? <laughs> so so that as I watched this this time, the one thing like it came back to me and I, I think I thought of it because I this is probably the third time I watched this, and I may have watched this maybe within the last ten years. Mm-hmm. But under the skin, yeah, that the was a thought film, too. Scarlett like Johansson. watching this, like under the skins, like right there on, on top of your mind when you're watching this, this a little bit. Hundred percent feels like, mm-hmm. and I know I that that's also thing. based on a novel. But it's like, was that novel influenced by Life Force or Space Vampires? I don't know but it's hard not to draw some parallels there. For sure. Yeah. But if yeah, I had that same thought, I just want to throw, throw a question out to you guys. Cause I'm curious now this is, so there was a lot of Hooper hated the title life force. He yeah. thought that was Canon slapped that for the U S release. And in some countries, because they didn't want people thinking this was a schlocky B movie, mm-hmm. but Hooper thought that was misleading. He thought it was too highbrow for what it was he didn't think it was that he wanted people to he wanted the movie to be called space vampires as it was in europe as it was in the book yeah because he wanted it to be 
I mean, he 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 his influences were the old Hammer um, movies, and he wanted it to be seen in that way. And so that's the one one regret. Uh, you know, all these it, it ended up not being the huge hit that they they had hoped for. But his one regret afterwards was the title. He wished he could have stood his ground and made sure. I'm just wondering if if this movie was called Space Vampires, if that's what it said on the in in the opening what would that change your opinion of it at all i i don't know if it changed my opinion and um i think i i'm i'm a i would appreciate i think it would maybe hold a better place in sort of like a cult status or like call it what it is it probably would have gone on my radar a lot sooner in life um, and maybe lived on there more like space vampires all right i'm in let's just like because because in some ways like it, it is you're calling what it is right um one of the reasons i shied away from this much like you described was the cover art and the the title um i think if you're thinking branding and marketing i think space vampires is a terrible title um if you're looking to recoup your 25 million mm-hmm. um so i understand that because i don't see space vampires being a huge blockbuster um either title but i would i don't know if it changes my opinion more but it would change my uh, my yeah i don't know my appreciation maybe if it was like so i'm gonna go on a limb here and i'm gonna say that had you called this space vampires with the right tagline (laughs) like i'm sorry it still would have made more than 11.6 million so so you would recoup more of your 25 million had you just called it space vampires right fuck like mm-hmm. creative tagline better i, I think better, it gives it like, a, i think it gives poster. an extended life you're right i think it gives it a midnight screening life better i think it oh gives yeah 100 percent. Right? i mean yeah let's let's think about the room okay that like <laughs> that is that is a far inferior film to this like grotesquely inferior i mm. guarantee if you look at like the box office take it's it's higher yeah but, like, mm-hmm. you can you can build an audience like I think if anything, like we obviously know this in, in 2021 or whatever year it is, um, but you don't have to kill it, right? In your first run of the box office. There, there's always cult following. There's always being able to sell home video. There's always now like being able to get like paid for rights to stream. I mean, this is a film, I mean, let's really think about 1985. This is a film that's perfect for like yeah. HBO late night, right? And mm-hmm. and Cinemax or, or whatever other like subscription based, you know, cable service people could pay for. I mean, this is perfect. No, yeah, I think it's funny. And I if think- you if you saw Space Vampires at twelve thirty p.m. a.m., <laughs> you know, versus mm-hmm. Life Force. You're gonna pause for a second and be like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, I I, I agree. It's like. Um, in an attempt to try to make it a little more quote highbrow or mainstream. Um, and for a movie that is anything but forgettable, um, I, I do agree that the name life force is instantly forgettable um, well, as a, as a film title. And the, the, it's like, I mean, it makes perfect connection. You're watching like, Oh, I get it. Life force. Yeah. They um, stole the life force. I get it, I get it. It's, <laughs> but, but it's, but it's what, instantly forgettable no. and there's nothing to talk about even though this movie has tons of things to talk about with your friends after seeing it uh, coming out of the theater, you know, it's like space pirates. 
I mean, well, space, space vampires. Oh, look, my God. I remember the, the, the film title then, Space yeah. Truckers, and I don't even – I've never even seen that movie. You know yeah. what? Because it's called Space Something. Well, it's it that. It's like, it you know, does. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. It's, yeah. heck, Texas oh, Chainsaw Massacre. Um, mm. You know, it's I, – I, I get Toby Hooper's thing. It's like, but it, it is. let's call it what it is, and that, that sticks with you long term. So the, the, the film poster for this, let's, let's not get this – mixed up right you you were saying like, well it's light in the earth no it's an eyeball it's like it's literally it's an eyeball with eyelashes like overlooking the earth and then there are these darts of like but the, like the tagline is in the blink of an eye the terror begins like what, I, what what terror what are you talking about what am i am i afraid of eyes the random yeah. space eyes are gonna decimate earth from the director of poltergeist like i I'm sorry, yeah. I don't understand what this is. What are you trying to get me to watch? Like, put a poster together okay. where it's literally, right? Like, it's it's one of the the, the vampires just like draining energy out of another face. Yeah, space vampires. Yeah. Let's you fucking look, roll with that. Check out. I mean, if you if you guys are near a computer, anyone listening to this, you pull up the uh just google image search like okay. life or space vampires posters for like as it was released in like italy and and france and like the all these italians other countries understand how to do horror yeah the italians they did like four different posters for this one and like they all had some sort of nudity in them and <laughs> they they sold the movie for what it was and the movie did relative it fared well i mean oh my god everywhere else. I would, yeah i would have i would have yeah. <laughs> watched this as a horny 12 15 year old yeah this movie did much better in europe me? and oh, oh yeah. my god this is my favorite right this is perfect it's the end it's the end scene on the poster you wouldn't know it's the end scene mm-hmm. right right oh man no this this is that was so stupid <laughs> That's, li- yeah. that's literally one of the that is a that's, oh man so dumb and it it also i feel like it also oversells what the film is to call it backwards. Mm-hmm. right you're, you're you're almost pitching it as like no no this this isn't space horror this isn't sci-fi horror with you know naked people it's life force <laughs> sounds very affirming right like i don't know what the fuck this is. is there's an eyeball looking at earth yeah and they could have just called it toby hooper's space vampires and yeah. that would have <laughs> gotten yeah. people that would have yeah. flown off the shelves on texas chainsaw from the guy that brought you texas chainsaw massacre and poltergeist uh-huh. toby hooper's space vampires <laughs> no I, I i think it gives it a better yeah it's it's a better long-term naming for sure and, and choice and yeah Canon was thinking too short term, and I don't think it paid off. Stop trying to cater to American audiences. Yeah. Just lowest common denominator. Americans aren't highbrow. They're not. <laughs> They're not. All right. Well, before the movie theater closes us out, oh, we better uh, get Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> two um, rolling on the uh, on the projection here, um, and and rounding out our triple feature, Look. closing out the night is. Uh, yeah, you know, a, a return um, to, to Texas. To, to, to Texas, yeah, or you yeah. know, <laughs> to, to the land of Dr. Pepper, um, if you will, the 
favorite drink of, of Toby Hooper's and uh, Buckham Horns. All that included. sort of stuff that people in Texas do. I don't know. So a movie <laughs> I hadn't watched in a long time mm-hmm. uh, because my memory of it um, was, man, there's a lot of screaming in this movie. And, and, and that was my lasting memory of it. Yeah. And I was like, you know, and, and Texas Chainsaw, I really like Texas Chainsaw one, but haven't the, the massacre Chainsaw Massacre movies haven't been one of my favorite um, of the sort of, you know, thing. And as Leatherface became a thing, I was like, eh, you know, but, but remember enjoying Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Um, but then the lasting memory was like, oh yeah, so much, so much screaming um, mm-hmm. the whole movie or just over the top acting from all folks, you know, um, Bill Mosley, as much as I love him, um, I was like, man, that guy's just constantly like shrieking um, and dancing and, and prancing and jumping oh. on constantly. Oh man. You're like, you're already, <laughs> oh, you're so... already stepping on my favorite part of the film. <laughs> oh, so, so just a, a, just a tiny bit of background just for that is, yeah. uh, Hooper used to just, they, they, he would just direct Mosley, just do your chop top thing you know, just do your chop top thing. Mm-hmm. And he would be allowed to d- do whatever. And Oh yeah. Hooper loved it. <laughs> it's like fucking act like a lunatic. Just no. Two things I'll say, like, um, yeah, one, like you know, I'm, I'm, I really like Texas Chainsaw Massacre too when it's when it starts off the kind of just sort of extended sort of ten minute almost like teaser, if you will, like you know these these frat boy guys, uh, their days are their days are limited. You know, they're not. Mm-hmm. You're like, I know these guys aren't going to make it much further in this film. Um, and you know, the fact that they make it 10 minutes is you is... mean we weren't gonna get more buzz and, <laughs> no, but... <laughs> and whatever the other asshole's thing was. That's right, but just like being jerks, which again, I don't know. I guess if you don't hang up a phone, um, I, I didn't remember that Who on landline phone in 1985 in their car, in their car. Like, uh, one thing I'm watching, I'm like, man, rich. yeah, the money they're spending on that, number one, and number Parents two, I was rich. like, I think you can hang up on your end and it. It, I remember landlines like you hang up. It doesn't matter if the person who called you. But anyway, the side note: she keeps yelling like, "Hang up the phone, <laughs> hang up the phone," and they're like, "Why don't not you gonna. hang up the phone and quit?" Jerks, I, I just don't answer the phone when random people call me that I don't know. But again, you could hang up a phone That's back. How the phone works. Beside the point, like, hey, I, I love the 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 intro, and then you know um, when they meet their end, and it's just it's just great. Um, this the sort of roadside chainsaw massacre the, the way the dude's head gets cut love it love it mm-hmm. but then and the movie kind of settles but then when to get back to bill mosley the movie comes alive when when bill mosley shows up at the radio station um super creepy disgusting annoying terrifying like all the ones the fact that he keeps lighting that hanger and scratching his metal plate and, and then licking it <laughs> um you know that alone i'm just like oh i've stayed away from this film too long Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's good to be back (laughs) yeah so this this is one that i watched in high school um yeah no i think i probably saw it in high school somewhere like yeah so let's i'm I'm not like i didn't graduate in 86 um no no i worked my way back i think i started it next (laughs) Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, and then worked my way back. That's the um, Matthew McConaughey. Um, yeah, Zellweger. yeah, Renee 
Renee Zellweger is in the yeah, I think she's in that right? one. I think. Uh, so. And then I worked my way backwards to um, like just renting VHSs in, in South Texas too, somewhere in there. So full disclosure, I like I was not a fan of horror films as a kid. Like I Jaws was a lot for me. Um, I was like, I'm not getting in that fucking pool. Like, I don't like I don't care what you I saw piranhas and I saw Jaws and I'm good. I don't need to get in your pool um, or that ocean because that's their home. That's not where I live. If I invaded someone's home and 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 they fucking kill me, that's my fault. That's not their fault. Um, but in high school, I like 15, 16, I made friends with some some other guys from a different school who were like super into film. And and I mean I was super into film. I had always been into film, but they brought me around to horror. And, and it was, it was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it was, and, and then it was like, no, nah, you need to check out this Toby Hooper guy. Like he's doing something, like he does some cool stuff. Um, it's like, here, here, this is just insane. Like this is Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, right? Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is terrifying. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is insane, yeah. right? And you just need to watch this. And I was like, <laughs> all right, cool, I'm in. And it, it's insane. Mm-hmm. like right this is an insane film uh i watched it again as a i'll be 43 tomorrow um as a 40 it's still fucking insane like it's <laughs> insane now it's just as insane as it was in 1986 it's as insane as it was in 1994 95 in 2021 uh fun facts and and then i'll because this is I loved Dennis Hopper. Uh, in 1986, all of these films were released and they all had Dennis Hopper in them. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, The River's Edge, Blue Velvet, and Hoosiers. Wow. All fantastic films. They're all yeah. fantastic films. So Dennis and Hopper come back to it. And I mentioned Easy Rider earlier and fucking Hopper. Yeah. So anyway, first, that's my first, like, that's my kind of history with this film. I I did see it in high school. I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm watching, but this is bananas and I'm in. So. (laughs) Yeah, this, I I probably brought about the same, same age when I got around to this, maybe a little younger. We got, I, I was very lucky. We had a video store that was near where we all got dumped off on the bus. Mm-hmm. The middle school and high school buses were the same, but we had the, the, the high school was within walking distance of a video shop. So we'd always go and rent movies and watch them at a buddy's house right after school, you know, in, in the basement or something and take it back the next morning, get something else. But we, I was very lucky. This video store was very lenient about, you could, it, you couldn't rent like the teen sex comedies or anything with like clear TNA in it. They wouldn't, they wouldn't rent out but horror movies they didn't care if you were what age you were so naturally you know when you're 13 years old whatever age you're gonna rent horror movies so i remember like we've got a lot just worked through all like the like the vhsr classics but like i remember at one point seeing the texas chainsaw massacre first one and then we must have rented this a day or two later and just being totally thrown off because watching the two movies back to back there there's nothing (laughs) 
it's just it's just a huge jump and i remember mm-hmm. my original reaction is like other than being a 13 year old boy and loving it when somebody gets their head sawed open and when they're driving a car like i love that stuff but i was just like why is this a comedy why it drove me nuts at, at the time i mean as older i i appreciate that stuff more but I'm, my very first reaction to this was not a good one when i saw it i remember it very clearly yeah it's funny as you get older like at least for me too like the the, the you almost reject the comedy stuff younger um mm-hmm. and as you get older like you appreciate them i appreciated the comedy so much more some of the silly bits of um mm-hmm. you know leatherface right like kind of like kind of pointing like what about the girl not the girl do i do, do i hurt the girl you know that sort of when he's going back and forth mm-hmm. um just the comedy in general um, I, I mean, I could do a little bit without some of the, the you know, the chili cook-off type comedy bits a little <laughs> bit. Like, you know, I could, but I know that was even kind of initially like an, an, a bigger part of the film or an, a, a bigger idea um, for some of the early drafts or some of the early vision of this sort of like cannibal thing in, in the town. But but just the comedy in general, um, I, I just really liked it this time around, like that it I enjoyed it so much more because like, again, like, I don't know, part of its age, I don't have much interest in returning back to Texas Chainsaw, the original, mm-hmm. because of the brutal nature of it. Like, you know, I still have the scars of like someone getting picked up and like put on a meat hook mm-hmm. and, and just that I'm like, you know, I don't know if I need to see that again. Um, but, but I'll laugh at some of the absurdity of this film. I have a, I mean, similarly, I had the same reaction because i at that age you see evil dead and evil dead 2 that's you rent them two days in a row and that's another jump in in tone even though the evil dead has mm-hmm. comedy in it it's not the full-blown comedy more the second one is and but then nowadays that's the one i'm going to return to more often i i'll watch evil dead 2 if i'm going to choose one of them that's that's my go-to over the first well, one 100 percent, because those two stories are almost identical stories mm-hmm. Right. It, it like mm-hmm. it's it's like, hey, this is Raimi making a student film. And then this is Raimi doing what Raimi probably wanted to do to begin with, mm-hmm. which was mesh genres. Mm-hmm. Right. But I mean, it, I, I think about the way formal education can be very like confining and restrictive. Right. And so you you don't. In a situation like that, right, you, you, how how often I, in in fact I, I would be willing to bet like it had hadn't happened right that the genres of comedy and horror had been bridged and then Raimi like shows this tech technical skill of like using these like kind of like zooming and like panning shots and and mm-hmm. like these rapid movement of the camera to elevate horror and then he's like yeah now I want to do the one with the jokes. Right. Like I, I want to do the one that in my mind was already there because the minute you get into the rest of Raimi's catalog, like that's what you get. Right. Army of Darkness mm. is I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> it's chef's kiss like horror mm-hmm. comedy. It's it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and even his like his first two, we, we won't speak of Spider-Man three, but Spider-Man one and two, <laughs> like they're so pitch perfect comic book comic book films right they're very comic booky um and and hoover like hoover takes this it's a major shift between 
what he did with Texas Chainsaw, which redefined horror. Hmm. I mean, it transformed what horror was. I it it grounded it in like no, these aren't just monsters. Like these are people who are monsters, and they're terrifying. And now let's do that and make light of it. Yeah, I mean it's, <laughs> but but again, it's like I, I kind of had a couple of thoughts. One, it doesn't make light of it, but it's still like super dark at times too. I mean, there's the part with Stretch. She's down in the underground. She has um, what's his name, LG. Like his face is on her face, right? His skin of his face is there, and then he dies. LG kind of dies, and then so kind of a dark scene there, wet wearing her friend's face, and then she comes over and puts his face um, on his face, like his skin, which I I, I fall off the couch laughing um, at that point too. It's like it's dark, it's sadistic. Um, and equally hilarious at the same time. Um, but because part of it, I don't want to see, you know, I don't, I don't think it works if you do Texas Chainsaw Massacre again. I mean, I even look at the person who aped all of this, um, you know, I've I've had moments where I like Rob Zombie stuff, but, Mm -hmm. but you look at this and you look, but you kind of look where he went with House of Thousand Corpses and Double Rejects and whatnot. Right. And it's, it, to me, it doesn't work. Well, one, you watch these films, and you're like, oh, wow, there's just even Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, right? There's just stuff purely lifted right out of those films, um, put on his stuff. But as as someone like Rob Zombie, who's like, oh, I'm going to keep upping the ante and make it more gruesome and this and that, I just check out of those films. I'm like, you know, there was some neat stuff there. Uh, and now at this point, when he kind of did his, and by the time he got, what, Three from Hell or whatnot, I just wasn't interested anymore um, it, in the Firefly becomes- thing it became too serious yeah right? where this, he, this he, he started so taking himself too seriously whereas like this mm-hmm. is kind of the reverse of that right uh, house of a thousand corpses is it's dark comedy horror and then he just kind of transitions to almost like i want to be m- more serious and that was um, my take watching this speaking not just get on zombie too much but Watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 reminded me like, oh, everybody kind of puts Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 as the House of a Thousand Corpses um, kind of reference or, you know, I think it's it's it's, it's more so part two. Um, yeah. It's House yeah. of a Thousand Corpses is Texas Chainsaw Massacre part two um, kind of remade. And I'm like, you know, it's that was my other takeaway if we as we kind of find these comparison films um, from these these mm-hmm. Hooper Cannon films that kind of came later in time. Um, I think that's kind of where House of a Thousand Corpses originated. But no, but um, one of my big takeaways this time, which was more not lost on me, but just not appreciated by me, was the, the, the dark humor in this, um, for sure. Um, but that that my, my highlighted scene was Stretch putting LG's face on him. Um, hands down. It was, that's one of the better scenes I've enjoyed in, in a while in, in film. Mm-hmm. Um, so hat off, half off, pass off or face off to you, Hooper, whichever one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I take my face off. Face off. Um, but yeah, so yeah. that was John Woo. Face that off. sealed the deal for me. Just my my, my reviewing of this this time when when she did that, I said, "Oh, I can." Who needs Cage Travolta when you've got Caroline <laughs> Williams and Lou Perryman? Yeah, I mean, that's the original face off. 
Exactly. As far and as I know. And it's so touching. Well, I guess there's eyes, such, there's eyes without a face, but I mean... It's such a touching scene. It's a very serious film. Mm-hmm. So this is another one with, again, behind-the-scenes stories bleed so much into the film when I watch it now. But just the the pace that this movie was made, he was working on Invaders. Hooper was working on Invaders until late 85. He eventually had to leave to work on this, and this mm-hmm. wasn't written. So the, the writer of this movie was L.M. Case Carson, who, who is a, like, yes. <laughs> oh my God, like Texas film royalty. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, we're, talk, we're talking, the, mm-hmm. the guy like contributed to Paris, Texas, like, has contributed to many films set in Texas over the yeah. years. Helped write this one. Yeah. Helped get Bottle Rocket financed. Yeah, bo- really. yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He produced Bottle Rocket. Yeah. yeah it's Loves crazy. Texas. Loves Texas. But his, his, yeah, his son is Hunter Carson, Karen Black. His, so he was just hanging around Invaders and Toby's like, we need, I need to make this movie. How about you write it? And he's like, sure, sure. Let's do it. And I talked to Hunter Hunter Carson. It's funny talking because he, he during the school year he was going to school and he was making Invaders. School got out at the end. He's his classes. He went and spent summer break on the set of Texas Chainsaw Massacre wow. too with his dad. Wow, and it's That's it's amazing. just yeah. I mean, there's great footage behind the scenes footage. There's like Tom Savini's got all his kids, his his daughter who's like they're like they're they're they have her posed with like the puppets and stuff she's a baby but <laughs> he's he's there making like the full body suit for lou perryman and his daughter's right there it's just funny to see these because it very much was like everyone had their kids working on this during the summer as they were there but anyhow yeah they, they this movie came together super fast they just had a really some lines of some pages of like what a synopsis for for canon canon didn't want to see that they said there's no time. We don't have time to have meetings. We, we don't give time a to story meetings. So of course, when they when when it came back as a comedy, and Canon's like, "What? What the hell is this? <laughs> We've been advertising this straight horror is supposed to be the most terrifying movie. We have we have a trailer that we've been showing in front of movies for this it's supposed to be the most terrifying movie of the '80s, and this is what you give us. So this the movie, Alan Kit Carson was writing it as they were. Sh- as they were shooting it, Tom Savini had to make up the effects really as like, they came up with the scene idea and they're like, we want to shoot this in four days. Can you make figure out how to do effects. this? Yeah. yeah. And he's got his like makeshift, like all his like students and stuff there with him just going crazy trying to put it. But what's, what's crazy is the final draft of the script of the shooting script is June 28th, 1986. The movie finished shooting on the 4th of July, 1986. So six days before they, six days is when they finally had a left in the shoot is when they had a finished script. The movie came out in theaters, August 22nd. What? So it's crazy. This, it has to be the, between a feature film being like in wide release and the script being finished. It's it's less than two months. Yeah. It's It's got to set a record, right? Seven weeks. I mean, just think (laughs) about getting the film, um, like developed and processed and yeah and the reels yeah. made and distributed this isn't like digital age of hey we we can shoot out digital copies on digital projectors it's uh the getting the film yeah. printed <laughs> it's wow. it's insane how quick it it came together and it was that was that's why you get so much of the stuff where it was hooper just like 
Hey, just, uh, hey, hey Bill, do crazy. Do just, crazy chop top stuff for yeah. a while. Mm-hmm. And so hey, that's, Hopper, why don't you just scream all your fucking life? You're gonna yeah. scream all and just walk down this tunnel, just cut cut wood wood supports <laughs> for the next so 20 minutes. Support. We'll make it work. Also, you should definitely drive your car at full speed at <laughs> the heroine of this film while she is concerned for her life because she just followed a bunch of cannibals. Yeah. Yeah. This definitely that's the way to win her over and, and secure her as an ally. Like for sure. Don't answer the phone, but drive 55 miles an hour in an abandoned amusement park at this woman. And a- action. Like, <laughs> let's fucking go. Hoppers. Um, oh, so fun in this. I love the movie post, the original movie poster for this film. Mm-hmm. Because a breakfast club is well, it, it, that, it has, one? It, that or or like 80s sitcom family yeah mm-hmm. right but it's it, like it's definitely that kind of it's it's a playful vibe it's mm-hmm. you know it's grandpa it's chop top it's leather face so what yeah it's something that's crazy too is you you do have so many different people sort of throwing their their influence into this like crazy pot of soup that is texas chainsaw massacre too the the, the writer kit carson even like early on, one of the things that was like his main idea is he wanted to write this as like, he kept describing it as this is Leatherface's coming of age film. <laughs> this is, that's why you oh get my the God, That's amazing film. because yeah. that's yeah. the way it reads to me. Yeah. It's like, hey, we're going to let Leatherface have a personality. Like, yeah, and that's- Leatherface is all grows up. It's, it's like swingers for Leatherface. Yeah. yeah, it's, I mean, even Bill Johnson who played Leatherface in this one, his direction was given as like he's described as like you are like 15 year old Leatherface, and this is like you falling in love with a girl and realizing that like maybe everything your parents told you about only eating mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. and chopping them up is wrong. Maybe that's wrong. Yeah. Maybe and that's wrong. how he was supposed to. That was his internal like what he had to be thinking of while he oh was. Oh my God. Yeah, it had those playful, like um, almost cartoony too, like the head, the yes, no head nods. <laughs> like, do you know? Like, nope. <laughs> yes. No. Yes. Like it was this, it was hilarious. It was great. Um, just the mm-hmm. way he played that, like, I'm trying to answer truthfully, but then I got to lie to cover up, um, you know, <laughs> it's just, well, uh, it, but, but also this like silent, you know, it's that silent pantomime way he played as well. There was no like, grunts or, or, or it was just you know like almost like a mr bean-esque <laughs> thing <laughs> but it, at times but 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 played perfectly well i loved it in particular right the the scene when they first come to the radio station and and he like stretches like trying to rationalize with them just like trying to talk to him mm-hmm. you can't rationalize with leatherface what are you doing yeah, yeah. <laughs> but turns out no Leatherface has pent up sexual like mm-hmm, aggression. Mm-hmm. Like he he he's regressive as a as a person. Um, again, maybe he's twelve to fifteen mentally. Yeah. yeah uh, but it, like he's like, Ugh. and he's like, no, I just I, I have to do something. I have to. Just, he trashes the entire mm-hmm. like radio studio, but he leaves stretch. Yeah. You know, and it's it it's becomes it there's this really interesting dichotomy. It's like, oh no, this isn't just some mindless zombie killer man with who wears other people's skin uh, on his, he has feelings too. Um, he, 
he's struggling to express himself. Yeah. Well, like he's it, it, he's really sort of trying a, to get in touch with his emotions. And in, in, in a screwed up, absurd way, it's, yeah, they presented, um, they presented him as a, as a complex character um, struggling with, you know, things we all struggle with at some point in our life, I guess, <laughs> minus the murderous tendencies. I got um, this like real, like, it was this real, like, junk and sloth vibe from yep stretch and leatherface yeah i got the same <laughs> thing i, I was like oh funny. my god it's it's, it's, it's the exact it's same goonies. thing <laughs> especially when they were when she showed up in his little lair underground oh thing. yeah for at, at one yeah i was like yeah. i was like why man this is dangerous all, all you were missing was like someone to say baby ruth exactly <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it truly fell. I was waiting for it any second. Like, if you're in a theater, down, at some point somebody says that mm-hmm. out loud, I'm sure. She rolled down the tunnels and fell into the chili kitchen. And I was yeah. like, oh man, this is not good. And then yeah. she's like, she's like, oh, hey, hey, hey. Uh, and he's like, here, put the, put your friend's face on your face. Uh, right? Now we dance. It's good. Yeah. It's, it's like, oh my God. Like, it was straight out of Goonies. The, uh, I mean, yeah, uh, that wearing that face was like a baby Ruth. Yeah, baby Ruth. <laughs> it's the equivalent, right? Roughly. Yeah. No, I, I funny. I felt I felt a similar, oh my similar God. connection to that moment. But it, no, it, I think I think to this, me one, this one film is re- so much fun. It's so much fun. That's the thing. It's, it was so it's much fun. So insane. But it's so much fun. And I think and I think with some of Austin's knowledge you're sharing, kind of with the production, it's. I think that energy, that haste and energy transforms, you know, this could be a hot mess or it could be, and I think in this case, it that energy where we don't need the $25 million budget to be on the screen like Life Force, you just have the urgency and energy to make this film quickly um, and just says, hey, here's a funny idea, let's do it, let's go. And to take, though dark and satirical, um, this, this more comedic tone, um, it, that translates. I just so happen to know what the budget was for this film. What have we got? It's four point seven million dollars. Yeah. So just take it, it, like just take away twenty million. Let's reduce it by like. And two things I love also my kind of yeah because I know we've been running by eighty percent. You got what? How many and, months, Austin? Yeah, they I they really the whole thing from like the idea coming start together, to finish. Being you a, got, yeah, about eight. So, yeah. so start from the idea to yeah. getting into theaters. It's hitting the screen. You got yeah. eight months. You got you got it. You got twenty percent of the budget. Make it happen. Yeah, because <laughs> because because this film festival's running long. I won't say too many other things because I think we could gush about this film for a while. Um, two favorite things. Uh, two other favorite memories um, of this. Or when I'm watching it. Number one, I love the leather face, um, chainsaw in the air belly jiggle hip jive uh, move that he continually does like just <laughs> right like i'm not going to move or chase somebody i'm just going to stand here and um wiggle my hips like i'm hula hooping with the chainsaw love that <laughs> over and over because it happens repeatedly um and then number two texas chainsaw massacre one that ends with the kind of very iconic end of the scene um leather face out kind of twirling the chainsaw out in the field um as the cars are you know the car is kind of spinning around and spinning away and that to also say, you know what, let's give it another fun, iconic ending. Um, and to end there with 
with Stretch kind of emerging at, at the top with the chainsaw and her doing her sort of chainsaw dance in the air and waving the chainsaw. Um, again, much like Invaders from Mars, um, another just great, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1, exactly as well, just another great kind of Toby Hooper ending, um, a visual just to end your film on. And to be like sitting there at the end of your midnight screening in a theater and to end with that, um, I was like, yeah, you, you know, you did it again. Um, it's just, you know, you, it's just it's another fun, great ending. Um, it reminded me a little bit of what the Cabin in the Woods ending, you know, where they're kind of sitting there at the end and then, um, you know, well, we made it. And then the big, you know, hand of the devil or whatever comes and snatches them down um, or whatnot, the gods, the powers that be. But um, but same kind of thing, you know, later on, it reminded me of, but I loved, you know, g- give me some sort of cool visual at the end, um, triumphantly waving the chainsaw, uh, uh, you know, you'll believe There's me with a good taste in my chainsaw duel life. in this fucking film. Yeah. <laughs> <Of course laughs> like, <it is. laughs> Come yeah. on. Yeah. So it's just, um, but, but it's also a movie that doesn't seem for as over the top it is for... Even the Dennis Hopper stuff with the the, the, the buying of the chainsaws and the practicing it on the <laughs> all, big all of his log. like recitation of of his love of the Lord and yeah. I mean I don't think he ever quotes scripture but I mean he he's like he he digs real deep into that religious trench as he's like sawing down the supports of this fucking underground tunnel. Mm-hmm. That was I ah. Uh, I'm saying for all of it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't even feel like it's trying too hard either. It was kind of my point. It's like they couldn't try too hard because they only had eight months. (laughs) But I'm saying that you could like, hey, let's try to be too, you know, it's just it it almost feels effortless uh, as well, Mm -hmm. uh, which I really enjoyed. So I I don't want to share it like because I have I think I three things that I want to hit on, but I want to let Austin kind of jump in here and share his sort of final thoughts on TCM2. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a movie that I've grown to appreciate more and more. Like I said, that very first time I saw it, I was just su- surprised that it wasn't a horror movie. And as was canon, as was canon mm-hmm. when they saw that. They were livid. They expected to be the, the a repeat of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and that's not what they got. But yeah, I I do love that it's just, you have all these talented people just thrown into one place and to kind of make a movie as they go and everything from the budget against that like the stories behind this one are just the most in some of the most insane it would take me a whole evening to get into them but the stuff that they overcame to do it but even that aside just the the, the movie is is fun once you know once you expect once you know that it's meant to be fun rather than you're not supposed to be just biting your nails and terrified the whole time. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy it. <laughs> I enjoy it quite a bit. Nice. No, so okay, real final thoughts. Yeah. Yes. But three things. I love how very Texas this film is <laughs> even more so than, than the original, just the referencing of, the UT Oklahoma weekend Red River shootout rivalry, and and oh yeah, mm-hmm. just the 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 fuck you license plate on Buzz's car. I don't know if anybody else, but it's F A H Q, the letter Q, 
Fa Q okay, license yeah. plate on the car. But it's, the entire time it feels very Texas. Dennis Hopper's wardrobe, right? But knowing this is like mid 80s and understanding that there were these like Texas alternative, like college radio bands that were emerging that had this like cow punk kind of that I, that's the sad that's what the sound was described as anyway and that's what stretch was like trying to push on the local radio station texas still mm-hmm. so like texas mm-hmm. yeah oh, just no, so, much of the, so much of the crew and, and the cast too just it, there's a lot of texas in the blood of that movie that's even just the art department, they they couldn't hire professionals. They just got the the local college. Yeah, the yeah. the art department like students to come make the most gruesome lair they could, and it's just cool. It's really cool that they did that. Um, the other pieces, this like, I mean, I I feel like this is I am just playing Gabriel's greatest hits here when I but it's like the commentary on capitalism and and the abuse of small business <laughs> like Drayton uh Jim Seidel who is you know Drayton Drayton Sawyer who is the father the patriarch of the the Leatherface family for lack of a better way I don't yeah. know who this family actually is but it's it, these references to you know uh small business always gets it in in the ass mm-hmm. right like as he's mm-hmm. literally getting a chainsaw to the ass yep. yeah uh on top of like you know the who, who sent you my competition at the chili cook-off yeah <laughs> line like it's uh it, it's it's so not subtle but simultaneously subtle and brilliant um and and lastly i just To know that this film was made in the short amount of time it was made and it was clearly it was clearly shot and put together haphazardly but to somehow piece together something that feels 90% cohesive and it is the it was shot at a rapid pace but the pacing of the film itself feels perfect Right. There's never a misbeat. Yeah. No scene, no scene drags on too long. There, there's never too long of a lull between setup and then action. Knowing the gun under which this film was made, this is impressive. Yeah. Right. It it's it's not like it's not like a textbook. Oh no, this is a great film. Ma. AFI, like jizz your pants over this film. But tell me another film. Like, like literally give me a list of, of three other films that were shot shot like under this tight of a time constraint with this little budget and that somehow came out cohesive. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 there's little foibles here and there, but but overall, this is a cohesive film. Yeah. No, I agree. I think for especially seeing three films, these three films back to back um, that Toby Hooper made as well. Um, pacing was something I kind of had an issue with some of them, um, but but not this one um, at all. Like I just enjoyed the ride um, from beginning to end. So let's do this. We've been running long because we had a lot of films. Um, 
we have a task. We, we should always... never do an episode with three films. <laughs> but listen, two is like two is this our is like, the triple feature. I know. Happened, you know, it's the kickoff, <laughs> and you know, it's like we're we gotta con- enter. We're congrats- yeah, we got to come out October with a bang. I get it. I get to. it. And then we'll Man, it's a lot of work. Collapse it is. So here's all we'll do. <laughs> Speed work. round. We have a task. The Sandusky office makes us one, submit one, two, a rating. Three. How many grades? We're, we're, I'm going to say this. Let's just do speed round. We're just going to go backwards. Let's go forward. We'll start at the beginning. We're just going to go round robin. We've talked our our time about all these films. Um, we'll just start. We'll go around the circle. Um, just say great, not great. Um, Gabriel, we'll start with you. Then we'll go Austin, then me. And all we're going to say is like Invaders from Mars and just great, not great. And again, our, our idea, Austin, is this one of the greatest films of all time? Again, that can be that can <laughs> the greatest films of all time can mean lots of different things, right? Uh, like it can contextually, be, it can be cinematically, it can be genre, anything. I'll, like I said, I'll, I'll say my bar is very much lowered after writing about canon movies. <laughs> no, and that's the thing. <laughs> For, There's no all qualifier as to what we mean by the greatest films of all time. It's I mean, just like this is one of the greats. Now, you're if you're you talking know, to two guys who, like. I mean, granted, this is not our first episode of this particular podcast, but our first episode of our previous podcast was now Miami Miami, Connection. Miami Connection. Miami Connection. Nice. (laughs) Which I think would be. I mean, that was like we never voted. We were like, we're gonna fucking enter the marketplace on Miami Connection. That's where we're going. (laughs) Let's do it. So, you know, I love. So, so the the, one of the greats. It, all right, it's, it's all right. With all things, so um, round the robin, real quick. No explanation. We're just gonna say great, not great. Got it. We get two greats. It's in. So Gabriel, start with yep. you. Invaders from Mars. Invaders, not great. All right, Austin. Yeah, not great. And myself, not great. Sorry, Invaders <laughs> from Mars. Not one of the greats. It's the easiest um, one. Starting over. I'll go. We'll go backwards this time. I'll go. I'll go with this time for Life Force. We'll go me, Austin, you, Gabriel. Do it. Life Force. Um, not great. I'll say great. <laughs> it's it's I feel bad because, like, I mean, this, hey, it's, we it's, always it's, get, I guess. Well, I, I, I wanted to love it. Not great. Not great. Sorry. It's, it's, well, that's fair. Same, same. I think, I think uh, we won't go into it. I think, um, uh, ooh, I'll give you this. Gabriel, you almost got me at great through some of our conversations, um, but I reflected on a previous episode um, where we talked about how we enjoy the conversation sometimes about a film doesn't necessarily change its greatness or not. Oh, 100%. I, I truly like, enjoyed out of all these three life forces, the conversation I enjoyed the most. It look life force was the film I most enjoyed just trying to make sense of. Yeah. Right. So, and, and it's um, the film I, I think I enjoyed the conversation around most. And, the, and that brings us to the final Texas. one starting, I mean, starting with you. Turner classic movies too, or Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I TCM too. <laughs> yeah. Which one you got? So Gabriel, starting with you, we'll go back to the original order. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I'm I'm gonna go great. All right. It's like one great. Austin. I'm gonna go great. Great. And not that it matters, but of course <laughs> it's a great. It's one of the greats. Um as it should be. Um <laughs> no question. So Texas Chainsaw Massacre, out of the, the canon Toby Hooper trilogy, um, to come away with one of the greatest movies of all time. I mean, come on. Uh, well, let's, <laughs> let's he has two. Let's. I mean, let's be realistic. I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 
has to be in the pantheon of I mean, great it's... horror films. But to literally pull a second one with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, that was unexpected. Yeah. Nobody saw that coming. see i've reshared the screen uh mr do you see this yeah you see this guy's letterbox this is a random letterbox oh, user these are always fun keenan morale snape here he has a list if you go to his list they here, aren't fun um they're never good he has one of all canon 200 canon films ranked all right oh wow this could be a bit of a pain to find let's just pick our number one texas chainsaw massacre 2 where does it fall on this letterbox users list of Ooh. he ranked himself the canon <laughs> i would rather films. take an average than yeah, just, a dart throw because here. finding all the other ones and average, i think it might be let's just find where that's where put. control f is very important Jesse. <laughs> it's true but I, we can't do that with these canon lists i mean with this letterbox list so that's what we're gonna do. where does this random individual i mean i already see life force in the tiles but it kind of just puts big and we're looking for Texas. His top favorite four films mm. that we know about him are Rumblefish, Razorback, The Last Wave, and The Monster Squad. Monster Squad's fantastic. So, so where does he likes his horror movies? He's working his way through the Freddy movies. Keenan Morell yeah. Snape, a pro user who pays for Letterbox. Snape. Is it it's Snape? It's where Harry Potter is Texas oh. Chainsaw Massacre? Oh boy. In, two. in 200? Out of oh, 200. Boy. All right, we'll just edit out the other. We'll leave the other game in for fun. We didn't know what we were doing. Here's our game. I had a backup because I wasn't sure if that one would work. I've just resigned myself to losing this game. This is pure random at this point. because. But again, we know a little bit about them. Rumblefish and, uh, Rumblefish and Monster Squad. And he's been watching a lot of the Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. movies lately. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to put, All right. go I got a number. I got a number. Write my number down here. Just looking for a marker. It's wholly arbitrary. Again, totally random. And I again. love that he has a Tony Scott cue, though. I do. It's called Tony's, Tony Scott screen Tony drafts. Scott is hit and miss, but true, ram true <laughs> romance, hands down. The best Tony Scott film. All right, That's so we all got our screenplay numbers. Screenplay from Quentin Tarantino. I mean, all right. Look, I'm putting. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. So I'm putting. I don't know if you see. I'm putting that he. This is in his top twenty six. I got number twenty six. I have seventeen. Oh my Whoa. goodness! I was equally at fifteen here. Wow. Okay. I like just this. guessing. This guy love loves this. I love a Big it. horror. Fan. I hope it's sixteen and we <laughs> both win. Life Force is Del his second favorite film. Oh, wow. wow. No, yeah. Delta Force. Masters of the Universe Revenge is number the ninja. nine. Oh, oh, boy. Cobra makes it at number six. I don't, I got, I don't have a lot of faith in this list. Death Wish he's, he's got a lot of ninja films. Number three. So number 15 is missing in action. The ninja right. films are all terrible. Man, he really likes the. Invasion. Bloodsport is solid. But. So it's I'm surprised Bloodsport's so low. 
What was your what was our numbers Mine again? Mine was 17. 17. 17. He was 15. 15. 15. So, so I, might I, mean, have I this. think you, you might win by default because this guy doesn't appreciate horror comedy. It would be really funny if he has the really Texas doesn't. Chainsaw 2 yet. 26 is kickbox. <laughs> it's not even on his list. He is. Wow, guys. We are already it might at 45. Even be, it might not even be on the list. We're at 50. It's not in his top 50. Jesse, this <laughs> is a bullshit game. He really dislikes this movie. It is not in his top wow, it, 75. It's, it's beneath pretty much straight up porn. It's Jesse, this needs to be thrown out. This is not. Uh, that's another, that's no, a, it's we, not even on the list. It's not in the top 100, which shocks me. <laughs> He's got Bolero at 107 before Texas. Number 125. Five. No. Wow. No. Two in front of Invaders from Mars at no. number one twenty-three. Nope. Shut it down. Oh. Count. Oh shit, guys. Sorry. Didn't yeah. mean to swear there. Yeah, I think this no. is just a chronological list. No, it can't be. No, no. I bet him no. answer. It's not. I mean, it's just a shit list. Yeah, because he ranked Life Forces number two. Because we've got um, one, two, three, four, five. This he liked, does the naked cage no, yeah. is one nineteen, but yeah, Texas Chainsaw over two. the top is number one thirty four. So no. listen, no, everybody, we can find his. The list is chronological at a certain point. Like, so I know, I know he, the release dates for these. Yeah, ones maybe he like what <laughs> he did was that. he was like, look, I have my top whatever, and then yeah. I'm just he's done. like, these are the ones I've seen, but I have them all on the list. The rest are crap no. for him. All right, listen. That's what we got to go with. I'm yeah, sorry, I think I think he just made a list of them all and then started ranking them once he saw them. He would move them up because, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just a chronological list of certain. Yeah, that, what that, it says here, February point. ongoing. This is an insane task, but it's my burden to carry. It doesn't do it very well. I will watch every canon <laughs> Wait, so, so I can this find. Is, this is what we're going with. And rank you, them. You so win th- by default. So you don't have to. He's been working on this since February 2021. We'll send him a, some messages to let him know he ruined our game. He, so he's um, been working on this for <laughs> for seven months, and, and, and he gets to determine. Austin, it's almost, you know, it's oh like, my God. listen, here's all we're going to do. The game's the game. That's, you know, as we've learned with our games, they, they don't always um, help us out and present our favor. So here's what we're going to do. Um, Gabriel, always it's fun to watch, talk um, films and, and stumble through our games. Austin, um, thank you for staying so long with us. Your your knowledge um, on Canon and the research and the work you're doing is um, beyond impressive. Thank you. Um, the it's the Lord's that, work, really. Yeah, I mean, the it's fact important that, for posterity. Thank you. That's, yeah. how, that's how I'm trying to approach it. That's how I... The goal, no, the reason for just doing to it. see, like, hey, there's a thing, kind of an idea that I have, and and then watch it become what it's becoming for you. Um, with the Canon Film Guide, um, you know, it's like I said, it's it's inspiring, um, as well. Um, and so, and again, and thank you for for kind of really adding some depth to our conversation um, about these films, um, and some further insight that, um, yeah, that we would normally not have. So we really appreciate that. I've had I've had a blast and this is this has been fun. I actually want to go and rewatch Life Force through Gabriel's uh <laughs> reading of it again because it's like, oh, I've seen this movie so many times and now I want to go watch it again. No, I love, uh, and that's what <laughs> often happens with our conversation. And as I said 
um, his his argument almost, though not his intention, almost leaned me towards Life Force as one of the greats. Um, but here's what we're going to do um, to wrap this up. It's a little unconventional, but I think it's solely appropriate in this case. Um, I'm going to give you our final word, Austin, um, and also any particular film that you would like to name as an instant great. Um, oh, in any style, genre, it can be canon, it can be beyond, whatever. Um, and then the way this works is um, it's about, a, you know, just a one minute, two minute little spiel of, hey, this is a great movie because blank and that's it. And then the music plays you out. Yeah. And, All and right. the thing I would also like to add is I genuinely appreciate you you joining us. Yeah, and, thank you. And, and talking about <laughs> these films and, and adding Right, I mean, because like I can, I can Google shit. I can, I know how to, mm-hmm. I know how to research. Like I know how to look things up. Um, but no, your your context is has been illuminating in in the case of all three of these films. Honestly, um, well, thank you. And and it's it's very much appreciated. So thanks thanks for taking time to to join us and and for sharing your base of knowledge and and really i think kind of rounding out uh the conversation that we've had that i don't think would have been as rounded otherwise so Mm -hmm. thank you i've I've had a blast i I really appreciate the invite this has been a great time well awesome um like i said we'll end it with that Uh, after this the podcast is yours (laughs) um to the end of the show you know we'll give that to you and also feel free any sort of social media or any kind of um stuff to how do people access and find your stuff feel free to definitely put that in there as well plug yourself yeah yeah well uh, yeah facebook and twitter is canon film guide all one word and it's just where i throw all of the stuff that either i've discovered about movies that were in the first book that i've since discovered in other interviews i've got boxes and boxes of just canon marketing materials i'm always digging through old articles and throwing stuff up there um pretty much every day so if you if you're interested in canon in the books or do you just want to look at some wacky posters just give me a follow there and that's a good place to also find find out when when the next book will come i'll be posting it there first but yeah so gosh for so this is this is a lot of power any movie can become the greatest movie <laughs> just by my saying so all right Uh, there are some there there are a lot i mean there's a lot of movies in the canon library that i think have a much better shot of making it on there on their own merits so if i've got this cheating pass i'm going to use it to sneak the apple in the 1980 uh canon directed by Galan. it's the only site like dystopian sci-fi disco movie bible inspired musical it's the only one of its kind and it is so out there, so out there. And yeah, I mean, if disco musicals might not be everybody's thing, but gosh, run out there and see this because this this movie should have been, you know, it should be like Rocky Horror. You, they should have the whole, you know, audience participation where you buy your kit for five bucks on the way in. So you have the right things to throw at the screen because this movie it has its cult following, but it's that cult following is still way too small. This <laughs> this movie's so bizarre and so weird, but also so catchy that yeah. If if I'm gonna throw anyone towards a a movie that they might not get to on their own. The Apple, 1980, Monaco Milan. <laughs>